0: Once you can distinguish domestic abuse, how do you care well for the victim? How do you engage the the perpetrator um, and and begin to work towards some accountability for him? Um, yeah, and so it, we've had just a fantastic response to that that training.
1: Welcome to the Eden Podcast, where we true the verse of Genesis three sixteen, and we discover that God didn't curse Eve or Adam or limit woman in any way.
2: This is True Friends Friday. I'm Bruce C. E. Fleming, Executive Director of the True 316 Foundation. Our website is tru316.com. That's true316.com. And we're the home of the Eden Podcast. We have a special guest with us we're looking forward to talking with. And Mimi is my co-host for today. So Mimi, would you introduce our special guest?
1: Yes, I sure will. We're happy to have Dan Beck. He's a church partnership coordinator for Call to Peace Ministries. A Wisconsin native, but Dan now lives in Georgia. A graduate of Moody Bible Institute, he has done graduate work at both Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and Liberty University. Dan has served as an associate pastor in Baptist and Evangelical Free Churches for the past 27 years. Having witnessed the upheaval caused by domestic violence in families, Dan is particularly passionate about helping churches intervene effectively in these situations. Dan and his wife, Shannon, have five daughters, three son-in-laws, and one grandson. Dan, we're so happy to have you. Welcome to the Eden Podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, appreciate the the opportunity to
2: to be involved in this. Appreciate your work uh, as well. Well, Dan, we like to start out with a, a faith story. We'd like to know how you came to know Christ and then how you be- began to grow in him.
0: Yeah, you know, I, like a lot of
2: um, people that
0: that uh, know and love Jesus, I grew up in the church. Um, I can remember uh, hearing about the gospel from a very young age. My, my parents were very involved in the church. Um participated in all the different children's and youth ministries growing up. Um, the the thing is, though, that it was a very fundamental church, uh, lots of rules. And so I grew up with this perception that even though I knew the gospel, I knew I belonged to Jesus, I had this uh, perception, I guess, that um, I still had to perform and, and that uh my ultimate acceptance by god was was still based on on my ability to follow the rules more or less and um it really wasn't until i got to moody sitting in roman's class uh with dr sims uh, we got to chapter eight where he started explaining about how there's no uh condemnation for those that are in christ jesus and the light bulb finally clicked on for me uh and and just shifted my understanding of what it meant to be a follower of christ and and uh and so instead of uh living in a, in a sense of waiting for god's other shoe to drop um uh for any misstep along the way in instead um living in in this reality of, of his grace and acceptance um and and living in response, in in gratitude uh, for the work that he's already done, so that really uh, changed—not uh, kind of, necessarily the trajectory of my life, but but my understanding of even the gospel in in a lot of ways and the application of that in in, in my life. Um, leaving Moody and uh, ended up in. Uh, a couple of different ministry positions and and uh you know i think my ministry story becomes uh, a little bit more about um not necessarily always being the most um, uh, well qualified or the most articulate but just available and and i think seeing how god has has used me in those ways over the years
2: so when you were available <laughs> you were a youth, a youth pastor, and you were involved in family ministries and discipleship ministries and working with single moms. Um, so, what spiritual gifts do you think that God specially used in in your life? As you as you tell us a bit about your ministry story, and then tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think
0: you know certainly there's some some compassion, there's some leadership uh, elements in the giftedness that I that he's developed in me over the years. I've, I've learned a, a great deal, even just from my wife and, and her, she's a childhood survivor of, of abuse. And uh, so learning a lot of different things, raising five daughters um, has certainly given me a, a, a little different perspective on, on uh, ministering to, to women in particular um and helping me see the world a little bit differently through through their eyes um you know i i look back and it's interesting to see how god prepares and equips you for things that you don't really even know are are coming down the pike uh you know i think back even even as early as my childhood growing up in my neighborhood you know there were there were boys in the neighborhood but they were all significantly older or significantly younger every kid my age was a girl and and so god has just kind of surrounded me with with women pretty much my entire life and uh perhaps that's given me a little different perspective on on some of the things that that i'm doing now but but in my current role with the with call to peace you know i serve as a church partnerships coordinator but but our whole ministry is wrapped around advocating for victims of of domestic abuse and um you know it's become a a very personal thing for us and for me um the the last church that I I served in uh we became aware of a of a situation involving domestic abuse and 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 that wasn't necessarily unusual we, we being in youth and family ministry we we encountered abusive situations over the years and and partly because of my wife's experience growing up I'd learned quite a bit over the years and, and I can you know I can remember changing locks on a, on a house that a victim was fleeing to for safety and some different different things just to kind of support uh, women over the years opening our home to the the kids that were walking through those things um you know so our, our our lives really have been geared in a lot of ways towards this but in this last situation uh it was a little bit higher profile situation um you know, because of the couple's involvement in the church, there were things we witnessed in terms of the the intense levels of control and isolation that begin, began to happen in the victim's life. And um, significant enough that other people in the congregation were also coming to me saying, hey, what's going on with this woman? Um, you know, we're, we're concerned about the things that we're seeing. And so I I felt it, it had the potential to blow up badly in the church. And so I approached the leadership and and invited Call to Peace into that situation. And unfortunately, the the church rejected the council and and began actually looking at me as just stirring up problems. And without going into all the gory details, uh, what ended up happening is I became the target of, of the leadership's uh, angst over all of this. And and uh, instead of dealing with that particular situation, they they decided that I, I was the problem. And so then uh, eventually they made a case that um, I needed to apologize. I needed to come up with something to apologize for. They didn't tell me what I needed to apologize for. Um, and when I didn't, they declared that I was unrepentant and actually
2: fired me. So
0: okay, wait wait, that, wait wait a minute,
2: wait wait a minute. So uh, you said some people came to you and said, "Look at this woman." Mm-hmm. I'm assuming the woman was the perpetrator, then. No, she was the victim. Actually, they okay, were seeing, yeah, right. So I, they I they were really, seeing, I wasn't assuming she was. I but I just thought, yes, oh, wait a minute, yes. wait a minute. The perpetrator was. The, so we should have been saying, "Look at this man." Yes. Yes, but they were what they
0: were noticing and what they were coming to me for was concerns over changes that they were seeing in the victim sure uh, and concerning things that that were you know where she was becoming isolated they were noticing even differences in in how she related to people. Um, so she was she know. was
2: being she was being hurt she needed help mm-hmm. you yes. tried to help her and yes. you became so well, Someday I'll talk to you about that. I want to know what happened to that, that poor woman in that church. Right. But there's a lot of cases like that out there, aren't there? So yes. So it turns out that I got talking to Joy Forrest a while back, who founded Call to Peace Ministries, and she said, mm-hmm. "I I tried to talk to the churches, and they wouldn't listen to me because mm-hmm. I'm a woman. And therefore, yes. I decided I'm going to recruit a man to talk to these churches, and maybe they'll listen to him. So that's i think how you got on board and how's that working out you know
0: it's it's interesting because a few months after i was let go from that church you know being being let go like that is is kind of a in a sense a career ender and and uh, it's hard to find another church that, that you can go to so we we uh kind of took a step back and we were just trying to figure out what our next steps were going to be and joy called up joy and, and the the rest of the team that called a peace had walked with us quite closely through that and we're a tremendous support sure. and so joy joy called up and said dan how are you doing and I, I said well i think i'm doing all right she goes do you want to come on staff 10 hours a week and I, I said well um i i said well if you give me some easy churches to work with i I think i could do that but <laughs> <laughs> if, if they become obstinate and <laughs> i don't know how i'm going to handle that and um And so they, they eased me in and, uh, I was, I was able to, you know, walk alongside. There were two other, um, guys serving in the church partnership program. Uh, one is a volunteer, one on staff and, and, um, both pastors and, and they were great. It just kind of shepherded me, shepherding me into this role. And, um. And, and so that eventually, over time, led into uh, a little bit, you know, a few more hours. And now I'm full-time. I've been full-time with them for a couple of years. And and um, and um, we have a volunteer team of liaisons that's numbering around 20, 22 uh, individuals, both men, men and women, uh, from all different walks of life. Some pastors, some counselors, uh, some just professionals uh, that uh, um, have a real heart for this. Um we have uh, a number of the women that that are also survivors themselves that have a real passion for the church to see this, and so, you know, we interact with with pastors at this point all over the world um, that that we consult with. Uh, we do training. Uh, we we just really want to walk with churches through this. But you know, historically, the church has not really understood the dynamics, and while there are some church leaders that are malicious uh most of most of the time we find that it they're just uninformed they just so don't understand the dynamics
2: if they're uninformed and somebody comes to them and says i you know there's a problem and as a victim sometimes they're not they can't be very articulate you know they are a victim they, right. they can't explain themselves right so there's a program where you actually go into you you ask the church to to listen you go in and you you see them for what a four-hour workshop and what's that what's that service called how's that working we
0: call that our protect the flock training um and that is it like you said it's a four-hour training that is the, the first half of it is on helping church leaders and churches in general anybody can attend it um on on how to identify domestic abuse how is it different than like just a everyday marriage conflict and, and how, what are the red flags that you should be looking for? Um, and then, and, you know, and so part of that is we, we look at the impact of abuse on victims. Oftentimes, if you um, interact with a victim, you can kind of pick up on cues without even understanding a whole lot else about the relationship. Um, and so we talk through all of those things. And then the second half of the training deals with responding. So once you can distinguish domestic abuse, how do you care well for the victim? How do you engage the the perpetrator um, and, and begin to work towards some accountability for him? Um, yeah, and so it, we've had just a fantastic response to that that training and, and more and more requests coming in every year to, to receive that.
2: So we're excited about that. And so we get to this point now, we get to ask you your true 316 story. How did... Maybe you haven't. How Have you heard about us or Joy and myself? What What's the background there?
0: Yeah. So um, we have a, a connection through the E-Free Church, uh, you and I, uh, a little bit. But I really didn't become uh, familiar with the True 316 and really until more recently. I, I had stumbled across, uh, uh, I think, probably a blog post of yours, uh, maybe a year or so ago. And and was very intrigued, but I think just because of time and other things, I didn't really get to dive deeply into it, though I, it was one of those things in the back of my mind I wanted to explore that a little further. And then it's just been more recently that I've been listening to more of your podcasts and I've got your book ordered and, you know, some of those, those things. So i um, definitely interested and, and really appreciate the the work that you enjoy have done in this realm. I think it's so needed. Uh you know, it, particularly in the work that I do, where you know women are often devalued, their perspectives are are dismissed, their experiences are are dismissed, and and uh, you know, oftentimes where churches often get this wrong is is you know they end up punishing victims for for different things, and and um, and showing a lot of grace towards the perpetrators, and so. I, I think your work is is extremely helpful in this, in in helping uh, restore a, a right and biblical understanding of the value of women.
2: Yeah. So we're trying to do that. <laughs> we, yeah, we we try, you know, how do you sum it all up in a sentence? But uh, we've worked at that. So on the cover of the Book of Eden, we say God didn't curse Eve or Adam or limit women in any way. And once mm-hmm. you get that figured out, it begins to unlock your understanding of what's called the clobber passages and they begin to realize we've been blaming the victim all along. Oh, by the way, who would like to blame Eve? Uh, Let's see. Adam uh, blamed her, said the woman you gave to be with me. So he, he was wrong on both counts. It wasn't the woman's fault. It wasn't God's fault. Who else would like to go after? Oh yeah. Jesus. uh, God said, uh, I'm going to put enmity between uh, the woman and you. He said to the serpent tempter. So right back from the beginning, He's been attacking the woman, and we're surprised, or we don't take extra care to protect or, or watch out for attacks on women, and yet we yeah. should. We definitely should. About this time, I'd like to ask Mimi if she's got a zinger of a question to ask you because I forgot to mention something. Mimi, what would you like to, to uh, un, un, uh, unlock here in our conversation?
1: Well, I wanted to mention, Dan, that a lot of people who find us happen to be victims of abuse, uh, both women and men. And our message is bringing freedom and healing because of what you just spoke about, that they see themselves as God sees them because he didn't curse them. He loves them. They weren't easily deceived. Women aren't all easily deceived. They weren't the temptress. So as we unpack what the scriptures are really saying, it just brings such uh, a new revelation and it brings many of them back to a fresh relationship with God. So it's so exciting to to see that. And that was never even the intention of Bruce and Joy. They just were studying the pure word of God. And we know that his word brings freedom. Um, Like Jesus said, the truth will set you free. I was a pastor's wife for almost 38 years, Dan, and I'll never forget a few years ago, a woman coming to me who was in an abusive relationship. And after talking with her, she said, you are the first church leader I have ever talked with that has spoken with me like this. And the difference was, is because I knew the difference between a difficult and a destructive relationship. And so The typical marriage model of counseling has to change when abuse is involved, and um, that is not usually understood by most pastors, church leaders, lay counselors, um, and it really brings so much more harm. Here the victim is already dealing with so much pain, and now they're dealing with somebody who is not handling this correct and your own experience you know what you just shared was evident of that it's such a great work you're doing and i am so thankful for what you and the ministry how you're reaching out how you're training um you've answered a lot of questions but how do we reach the churches that aren't even asking the question and are expecting to be giving the typical marriage model counseling questions and handling it together as a couple instead of separately? How do we reach them? What do you think is the resistance? You know, you you mentioned they're uninformed, which I understand there's a, I believe most are well, well well-meaning, but they're also resistant to even hear. So how can we reach more and how can we let them know about you and the ministry and and how can even people in churches approach their pastor better, you being a pastor, that they will receive it with a more open heart and be at least curious about what this dynamic is?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, it's it's interesting because I when I work with survivors and advocate for them in their churches, um one of the first things I tell them is that the the number one indicator of how your church is going to respond to your situation is the, the level of humility displayed by the character, you know, by the, by the leadership and um, above anything else, above what they know or don't know about domestic abuse. You know, if they're willing to leave their egos at the door, that makes all the difference in the world. And so, um, because there is no perfect church. There's no church out there that's going to handle every single abusive situation uh, in, in perfection every single, in every single circumstance. But if they have the humility to be able to say, you know what, we kind of bungled this one up, let's course correct, and let's try to correct the harm that we've caused, that, that, it, that provides the level of safety that that survivors need and are and are looking for so as far as uh, approaching churches and and you know gaining an interest unfortunately in many cases it it takes that humility to to even open the door you know to to recognize you know a lot of a lot of churches just think, well, that's a problem that doesn't exist here it you know it's like certainly it's a it's a big problem. it's an egregious thing we need to deal with it but but they they don't recognize what's going on and the prevalence in their own congregations even and so um, you know I, I, Chris Moles talks about how you know how do we reach churches we reach one at a time <laughs> and and I think for for survivors for victims you know the, we will assist with with making disclosures in, you know to their church oftentimes it's it's a matter of um, helping the leadership understand that it is going on in their in their congregation, and if they have the humility to to listen and to look with you know open eyes and an open heart, um, and and to value the perspectives and the experiences of women, that uh, you know then more and more churches will will begin to get it, and and I think whether it's word of mouth or other efforts, you know I think I think more and more churches will will start to come around. But well, it all, okay. it all starts at
2: at this point. Then I'm just dying to figure out how do how does a church reach out to you? How do they find out about the protect the the flock? Uh, maybe you can give us a website link, something like that. Yeah, calledtopeace.org
0: is the is the website, and uh, they can reach me at uh, churchpartners
2: at peace dot org as well. That's my email. So churchpartners at peace dot org. And they send that message and uh i want to say super dan will answer <laughs> but I, have to, I have to say no i have no. a
0: whole yeah, i I'll have say, a whole team
2: <laughs> i will say humble humble dan <laughs> humble dan will respond and re- reach out to you and and uh well thank you you you've, you've exa- exemplified what you're preaching about and we appreciate that yeah and we'll we'll uh we'll follow and we'll track with you in the future so well, thank, thank you so you. much we've been talking to dan beck from Call to Peace Ministries, he's a church liaison person, and if you need to be liaised uh, with your church, you contact him, and, and uh, we'll be happy to hear how that works out in the future. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. We'll see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. True 316 Foundation is the home of the Eden Podcast. Join us for $3.16 a month or more. Let's true the verses on the key passages on women and men. Go to true316.com slash partner.